0: The Gospel of Luke, we're gonna be in chapter two and chapter four. Now listen, if you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible and a chair in front of you and don't be embarrassed if you can't find one of the books of the Bible. You can ask the person next to you and you're like, well, they don't know either, they're with me. Okay, so go the other side and you can ask them. It's okay, don't be embarrassed and if you can't keep up with me on the few verses that we will be reading, uh, I'll read them to you. Uh, But we want you to learn how to use the Bible. The Bible is very important, it's God's word written down for us and the christmas story is found in luke's gospel chapter 2 the reason we call it luke's gospel is because a man by the name of luke wrote down these accounts of the life and times of jesus christ and when we read luke chapter 2 we learn that the world needs a savior by definition a savior is one who rescues one who redeems A savior is one that protects, one that provides. A savior was one who saves. And you know, the world needs a savior. That was the reality then, when Jesus Christ was born, and it's the reality now. The world needs a savior. Now don't just think of the world as a mass blob of a globe, but think of the world as people, you. When I say that the world needs a Savior, what I'm really saying is that you need a Savior. I need a Savior. And God in His gracious providence provides a Savior for us. He wants to rescue us from a meaningless existence. He wants to rescue us from a life of mediocrity, a life of misery, a life of eternal, forever and ever misery, which is what awaits people that reject the love of God in their lives. You may not be familiar with the phrase forever eternal misery, but a better way to understand that is for those that reject Jesus Christ, they'll spend eternity in a place called hell. Hell is real. And I know many listening right now would think, wait a minute, wait a minute. Aren't we here for Christmas and the baby Jesus in the manger? We are. And isn't it just so wonderful that God when presenting to us the Savior, presents him first as a baby. Babies aren't threatening. We embrace babies, we love babies. And yet that baby grew up. And he lived a life on this earth for about 33 or so years. Spending the last three years of his life loving, healing, caring, teaching, and revealing to a lost world the essence of his salvation. Well, well, Jesus put it this way. He was speaking to a man by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a religious man, but he had a lot of questions because the teachings of Jesus, they, they intrigued him. His life, the, the life that was in him, that emanated from him. And Nicodemus came as a religious man, and he had questions about this new eternal life. And he, he asked a series of questions to which one of the answers, first of all, we need to be very thankful for this guy, Nicodemus, one of the guys we want to meet in heaven. Because if he never came to talk to Jesus, we wouldn't have the most famous Bible verse in all the world. Because when Jesus answered Nicodemus, it's recorded for us in John three sixteen. He tells Nicodemus this, for God so loved the world that he gave. God is a giver. Isn't there, isn't there a lot of discussion right now, a lot of planning and preparation of the giving and receiving of gifts? It's one of the best times of Christmas where we get to express our love to one another. We get to express by finding that right gift or that right gift card and we wanna love someone by giving them a gift in honor of the birth of Jesus Christ but also the reception of gifts, to be able to receive them and to think that someone was thinking of us and spent some time and, and purchased something for us. It's so wonderful, it's so great, but let me tell you, there is a greater gift than any gift that you will open this Christmas. And that is that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever would believe in him, and then here's the end, would not perish but have everlasting life. Those are the two options and the two choices. Jesus speaks of eternal perishing, separation from God. You see, that baby, he did grow up. But here's his birth in Luke chapter two, verse one. It came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census took place while Quirinius was governing Syria and all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and the lineage of David to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with Child, So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid." so it was verse 15 when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another let us now go to bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass which the lord has made known to us and they came with haste found mary and joseph and the babe lying in a manger and when they had seen him they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child and all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds but mary kept all these things in her and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that it heard and seen as it was told to them. That baby born is declared to be a Savior, Christ the Lord. The fulfillment of all the promises of God as it relates to the Savior, or you might have heard the phrase Messiah, who was to come. He came to save us from our sins so that we might live life to the fullest, to the best that God has. Jesus as an adult would say it this way. He said, I have come that they might have life and that more abundantly. That is the heart of God for you and for us to live a life of abundance in him, for him and to him. No more living an empty existence, an aimless life, with no direction, no purpose. But knowing the Savior and placing your faith in him brings power and purpose and meaning to everyone that places their faith in him. Jesus was given, he was sent to us. And in him is found life. He is the epitome of life. And now we fast forward, in the turning of a couple pages in your Bible to chapter four, we fast forward 30 years in his life 30 years, the baby's grown up, and then the very beginning of his earthly ministry, as he begins the public revelation, I mean really his ministry is eternal, but his public, his public ministry starts right here, notice in verse 16 of Luke 4. So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up to read. He was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah, and when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in that synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So verse 22, all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they go back thinking about his birth, his father. They say, isn't this the guy? Isn't this Joseph's boy? Isn't this Joseph's son? It startled them. What a glorious revelation Jesus gives to them of his mission on earth, on earth. You could say that this section in Luke is the mission statement of Jesus Christ. It's why he came. And within this passage of scripture, we learn a few gifts that Jesus brings with him that you can receive by faith, a few things that are given to us that you can hold on to. For some of you, two or three of them are what you need even today. For others, you'll need to experience them in the coming days, in the coming weeks or months. But they're all yours by faith for those that are born again, those that are saved, repented of their sins, and surrendered their life to Jesus. These are all yours. Notice number one, Jesus brings the gift of good news. Good news in verse 18. He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Yes, he's been he's been given the the joy of preaching the message of freedom to those in poverty. Some of the most gracious people on the planet Earth must be the followers of Jesus Christ. That's his heart. But it's not just physically poor. He preaches the gospel, which that word means good news, to the spiritually poor. Those that are separate from God, those whose lives have been broken by sin, he brings good news Everything in Jesus is good. Far from being a burden giver, Jesus is a burden taker. That he would come and take our burdens and carry them for us. In Jesus Christ is where you'll find relief, where you'll find true rest. Jesus doesn't come with bad news of bondage, but the good news of freedom and hope. Jesus would say it this way in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. And I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you'll find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. That invitation goes out to anyone listening to me right now. The good news. Number two, notice next. The next gift that we see in Jesus is that he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. The gift of a healed heart. It's interesting, around the holidays, there's usually a a wrestling between a couple different emotions. Of course, in the holidays, there's great joy, family and friends get together, there's excitement. It's really a festive time, a joyful time, a joyous time, a time like none, like no other. You know, everyone seems to get excited about this time. You know, some people shopping, they get a little too excited, stealing your parking space and such, but they get excited. This is a great, this is a great time, and yet, some of you, You're experiencing both joy, not you, both joy and a broken heart. That happens. Not life isn't always what we expect it to be. Not life isn't always going to happen the way we planned it out. Things happened this last year. It's been a hard year for you, a hard few months perhaps. You might even look at yourself and say, well, you know, the the holidays remind me of a hard life that I've experienced. Listen, the gift of Jesus Christ is He heals broken hearts. He brings true, real, lasting healing. He brings with Him restoration and help. And if you call out to God today by faith in Jesus Christ, healing is yours. Healing is yours. Thirdly, notice He also has come to preach deliverance to the captives. And if you skip down a little bit, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. What's the next gift? Freedom from sin. Freedom from sin. He's come to proclaim liberty to the captive. You know, this world has a way of captivating men and women. It tends to sap the very energy that God has given us to live for him. And yet Jesus brings with him liberty or freedom. Jesus would put it this way in John 8. If the Son sets you free, you'll be free indeed. And you'll have that freedom that you've been looking for. A lot of times when we, when we speak of oppression and captivity, one of the words that we may use to describe that is addiction. Addiction is a bondage. You will be addicted to a substance. You can be addicted to a lifestyle. You can be addicted to unforgiveness. Like, you just can't get out from under it. It's oppressing you. It's pressing you down. It's knocking you out. Listen, by faith in Jesus Christ, he has come to set you free, to release you from this. You know, we use the word addiction and immediately people are gonna, their ears are gonna perk up because that's the life. You know, I lived that way many years myself. But I also realize that some of you, as soon as you hear that word, you kinda check out and you go, I'm not addicted. I've never been addicted to anything in my life. That's not the kind of life that I live. Hey, addictions come in all shapes and sizes. Some are very seen, the consequences of them, and some are very unseen. And whether yours is seen or unseen, God has come to preach to you deliverance. You don't have to live this way the rest of your life. There's freedom. God, he wants to set you free. He wants to see you come out from under that. You know, he wants to deliver you. You know, these things, as you, as you kind of look at these gifts, you know, they require humility to receive, because in order to receive them, you've got to admit that you need them. And that's one of the biggest barriers that, that I find in our lives is an unwillingness to admit our present condition. That's true for believers and unbelievers alike, but it's especially difficult for those of you that have never connected with God, because you've got all these reasons you have all these reasons why you don't need God. I don't need to be preached that, pastor. I don't need that kind of freedom. I mean, life is what I want it to be. Life is where, I'm, I'm right where I need to be. You know, I'm only in church here because my family or somebody, I'm, I'm only here for, well, I don't know how much longer, but I'm checking my watch, right? How long is that pastor going to go? How long is that going pastor going to go? Well, I'm sorry to tell you, but my voice is going to be stuck in your head forever. Why? Because God loves you. And He's gonna keep repeating His love to you over and over again. Sometimes He's gonna use my voice to remind you of just how much He cares for you. So maybe you are where you wanted to be. You got all the money you want in the bank, you've lined up the future, your career is right where you need to be, your family situation's all well, all packaged up. And yet, even though you've met all your goals and you've set a few more, when you put your head down on the pillow at night, it doesn't fully satisfy, does it? I mean, that's just between you and God. But having been a person in that same place, it doesn't satisfy, does it? You know, those that study such things, they, 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 somebody used a phrase, I forget who it was, but they used a phrase that everyone has this God-shaped void in their lives. And they try to fill it with so many things. I mean, you're not going to have enough money to satisfy that emptiness, And you're not gonna have enough activities with the kids and the family to satisfy that. You're not gonna progress to the place in your career where you're gonna have that sense of satisfaction that not only is life right now, it's it's okay now, but I'm also secure for the future because all that stuff is temporary. It's gonna pass. You're not gonna take it with you. It's not gonna translate from here to there. It's only by repenting of your sin and accepting Jesus Christ Will you experience the kind of deliverance and freedom? Now, those things that you're experiencing right now, I'm glad that you're, you have them. I'm glad that you're, the Bible says that God has given us all things richly to enjoy. He really intends for this life to be enjoyed. To be enjoyed, to honor Him and glorify Him and, and to have our lives. You know, as I was walking up and I, I was speaking with oxa here, I just, I did, I was gonna text her later today, but I wanted to tell her right here. And I just said, I'm so glad that your voice is being used for God because those kind of voices can be used to lead people away from God. And I'm so glad, as I look out in the room, that your gifts and your talents and what you're good at is being used by God. You see, we all need Him. The Savior was given to the world, not just to a select few. If I was to share a little bit of my testimony with, me, with you, I'm sure that you would come back and say, you know what, Ed, you needed God. And you'd be right, I needed Him even worse than I could. I needed him, and I was in such a worse condition that I can't even describe how bad it was because only God knows how bad it was. But friend, if you've made better choices than I have, had a better upbringing than I did, said no to a few things more than I said no, you still need God. Because the Bible says we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. When the baby was born, the baby, the Savior, was for the world. It was, a, it was a birth of the Son of God, motivated by the love of God. He wants to preach deliverance. Notice he also says that he's come to give recovery of sight to the blind. Again, this is a twofold application. Both the physically blind, as we see Jesus bringing sight back to the physically blind miraculously, but more so to the spiritually blind. And that's an interesting thing to consider. That you can both be able to see physically, but not see things spiritually. Which is the true condition of everyone apart from God. Where you can see, you can see and you can hear. Like right now, you're following along with me. You're listening to the words that I'm saying and you're processing the definition of them. You're hearing the sentences. You're putting the pieces together. And so it's not like you don't understand my words. You just don't understand the spiritual significance of them yet. But God is opening your eyes. Because even though we're spiritually blind apart from Christ, the the beautiful thing is all we need to do is open the Bible and begin to read it and share the good news of Jesus Christ And miraculously, God begins to open eyes, and he draws. You know, nobody can come to the Father. Nobody can make this decision to come to the Father unless the Father draws him to the Son. The the work of the Holy Spirit on the earth today is to bring conviction, conviction. Because conviction will lead to change and repentance. Repentance to turn your life around away from the direction you're going and to turn it toward God. You see, Christmas is so significant. It not only brings joy and happiness at a baby born, but it also brings joy and happiness in many people turning to the one who gave his life for them. Jesus wants to open your eyes today so that you might see spiritually. You know, Jesus, he also brings hope through these messages. You find hope in him, Not, not wishful thinking, Not the idea, well, I hope this, and I hope this happens. No, no, hope on a biblical scale with Bible understanding, hope is settled fact. It's it's trusting God on a settled fact. And I hope in God. That means I trust him, and I can connect directly with the God of all creation by faith. There is an intended end in your life in God. There's true hope. Not only hope, but faith. All of, these things in, all of these things encompass faith, where he says to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. Faith. When Jesus says, today's the scriptures fulfilled in your hearing, that's not only a past event, but it's a continuing event. He is still fulfilling this in our hearing today. He brings with us the strength to believe. For every person that's put their faith in Jesus Christ, the Bible says that God has given us a measure of faith. The very faith that we believe with comes from him. And he hears, he's, he brings that gift to you. He says, accept it. But you know, not only does he bring hope and faith, but he brings the gift of love. Like real love, true love. This is a special one for me because I didn't really understand love growing up. It's not that my parents didn't care for us, care for me or take care of me. They did. But I didn't reciprocate it very well. I didn't understand this self sacrificial love, the love of God. The love of God is not like the love of the world. You guys know that. The love of the world is romantic and syrupy and selfish. Love is always measured of what the person can do for you. That's not the love of God. There's actually a word, you might have heard it before. There's a word in the original language, in the Greek language, there's the word agape or agapeo, the verb form. And it literally represents the supernatural love of God. How did he demonstrate it? Where do we look for love? How do we see? What is the love of God? Well, Well, the Bible says that God demonstrated his love toward us, that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. That's love. Jesus, again, would put it this way. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friend. Well, God went a step further and he laid down his life for his enemies. And because of that, we are able to be saved today. Talk about a gift list. (laughs) Talk about things you can take home and unwrap and enjoy for all of eternity. You know, the greatest gift that Jesus brought is salvation itself. It's a right relationship with God. There is no other way. There's no other alternative. There's no other way to God except through Jesus Christ. You may follow this religion and that religion. You might have dabbled in this over here. You might have created your own religion. But Jesus said this. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. That's what Jesus said. It's, It's his words. He declares an absoluteness about who he is and how to get your life right with God. The idea that all roads lead to God is actually there's some truth to that. You go, ahead, what do you mean? Well, any road that you choose in life, it's gonna end in the presence of God. You're gonna have to stand before God and give account for your life. Now, every road doesn't lead to salvation, but all of us will stand before God to give account for our lives, to give account really for what we did with the message of the gospel that you're hearing today. What will you do with Jesus? Will you receive him? Will you express your belief in him? Will you respond to the conviction of the Holy Spirit? Salvation is available. I read this every year. It's a quote that I found. It's just so encouraging. I don't know who wrote it, but it goes like this. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, then God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, then God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, then God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness. So God sent us a savior. I love that. God gave us what we needed. Our greatest need. Here you are today, you know, you you come into this room from all different backgrounds and all kinds of going on, and and you know, your greatest need, just using that phrase, so many, well, my greatest need is this, and I've got this issue over here, I've got this bill to pay, I've got this family situation, I've got, no, 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 your greatest need is the forgiveness of sin. And your greatest need, my greatest need, was met by God's greatest deed on the cross of Jesus Christ. They took him down off the cross as was the custom, they put him in a tomb. They rolled a large stone in front of the opening. They sealed it and put armed guards to watch it 24 hours a day, what they anticipated was seven days a week. But three days later, the stone was rolled away and Jesus rose again from the dead. He's alive right now, using the words of his scriptures to speak to you. Jesus sacrificed himself. And it's a hard concept to digest in this narcissistic, self-centered world to think that that baby was born to die in order to bring it about as it is this day, so many people benefiting from his sacrifice for you and for me. Jesus taught me how to love. He's teaching me how to love. It's one of the greatest gifts that I've ever received aside from the forgiveness of my sin was to learn how to love, how to lay down my life in various ways. It's one of the joys of following Jesus as as He teaches me those loveless parts of my life that require my attention and my submission, my humility, and asking God to fill the void and remove my selfish, self-centered part of me to lay it before the cross very figuratively so that he might use me as a vessel of love. God wants to teach you love. Some of you, that that was just a word from the Lord for you, that love is a foreign concept to you. It's hard to even fathom you being a loving person or even the definitions that you have of love. God wants to take you a step farther. He wants to bring about his love in you, but that only happens through relationship. This weekend I had a very strong burden, and I find it happening more and more in my life personally, as a pastor, as a friend, as a fellow believer, on the journey with so many of you. But I have a strong burden for the backslider and the prodigal this weekend. The prodigal. Now, if you're a prodigal, you know what the word means. But for those of you that don't, Jesus told us a story. He told us of a story of a dad with two sons. One of his sons decided that it was enough. He didn't want to live under dad's roof anymore. He didn't want to do things dad's way anymore. He wanted to go off to the big city, try life on his own. So he comes to his dad and he says, you know dad, I, I, don't, I don't want to wait for you to die to get my inheritance, my portion. Can I have my inheritance now? Can I have my money now? I, I'm gonna go try life. I don't want to live here anymore. I want to go try life. And dad, being very gracious, gave him half of the inheritance. Gave him his inheritance. Loaded his son up with money and gave him the freedom to express and experience life. So the son, he heads off to the city. And man, wouldn't you know it? The city was filled with brand new people and lots of friends. All these new friends in his life. And they lived it up. But they lived it up in such a way where it was wasteful. That's what the word prodigal means wasteful. The young man was throwing his life away. He was throwing his life away with people that didn't really care about him, didn't really have his best interests at heart. You go, Ed, how do you know that? Because in the story, when the money ran out, the friends ran out. Because they weren't real friends. And not only did he experience the loss of his friends and the loss of his money, but the economic situation in the land at the time was very, very bad. And the only job that he could find was feeding pigs. The existence of this boy who had it all in his dad's house in just a few decisions is feeding pigs, separated from his family, miserable. And it was there feeding pigs that he began to think and talk to himself he began to measure his life. Now he had some comparison. He was measuring his life, thinking about how good he had it with dad, how bad he has it now. I mean, the Bible, Jesus says that the, the, guy with the kid was so hungry that he would have eaten what he was feeding to pigs is how hungry he was. And he started thinking, he says, you know, I'm going to go home. No, I don't think I want to go home. I'm going to go home. You know, if I do go home, it would be better if I was just a servant. I don't even want to be a son anymore. I'd be better off as one of my dad's servants just working in his vineyard, working in his, then then to go back as a son, I'm gonna go back. And he does, with the full intention of just being his dad's servant. And as he approaches near home, there's a scene that Jesus gives. And, And it says when his father saw him afar off, his dad took off and ran toward him. And far from being a servant, the son came back a son, because he never stopped being a son. He wasn't a very smart son, but he was always a son. And the father gave him the freedom to make the decisions with his life that he wanted to make. If he wanted to suffer the consequences of bad decisions, so be it. And yet he was also a loving dad that was available that if son wanted to come home, well, man, he didn't just come home, but he welcomed him home, threw him a party, Got got him gifts and said, My son, my son is home. Some of you have been far away from God. You see, because the story represents our Father in heaven, and the Son represents many men and women that have wandered away from God, that have wasted the last year or five years. Who knows how long? You've lived prodigally, you've lived wastefully with all that God has entrusted to you. And God is saying, come home. Come home. You're welcome home, son. You're welcome home, daughter. No more backsliding. The day and age that we live in within the church of Jesus Christ requires a seriousness about us. The people that we live next door to, the people that we work with require a seriousness in us that we're serious about the things of God that we take our relationships seriously, that we take our family seriously and we raise our kids in the ways of the Lord. Dads and and husbands, that you love your wives as Christ loved the church, wives that you submit to your husbands as unto the Lord, that in that family unit that pictures the beautiful relationship between Jesus and his church, that it requires no more wasteful living. It's time to come home. It's time to return. It's time to humble yourself and come to that decision and say, look, look it'd be better if i was a servant well then come back with a servant's attitude and watch the father embrace you and receive you and forgive you and restore you as you return repentant and humble wherever you are today whether you are backslidden you know prodigal living a prodigal son or daughter or you've never submitted your life to God at all. Jesus says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come in and dine with him and he with me. It's relational. These are relational terms. Hey, I'm at the door, knocking. Those of you familiar with the Bible, you know who Jesus is saying this to? A church, a gathering just like this. And he uses a beautiful picture of, hey, I'm waiting for you. Open up. Let me in. That baby did grow up. The baby grew up up and lived a holy, righteous, perfect life, untouched by sin. He died and rose again from the dead and invites you into relationship with him today. If you haven't received him yet, do that now knowing that the gifts that come in relationship with Jesus, good news, healed hearts, freedom from sin, open spiritual eyes, deliverance from your bondage, hope, faith, love, salvation. Is it any wonder that Isaiah writes in Isaiah 9, verse 6, For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government, or the rulership of lives, will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful. Counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of His rulership and peace, there will be no end upon the throne of David and over His kingdom to order it, establish it with judgment and justice from this time forward, even forever. <clears throat> the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. With your Bible still open, would you please turn over to Isaiah for a moment, chapter 61. Again, if you have a hard time finding Isaiah, you can ask the person next to you, or I'll just read it to you. No need to be embarrassed. You'll learn Isaiah 61. The, the verse that we used for the theme of our Christmas services this year was actually in Isaiah 61, verse 10. Isaiah verse 61 or chapter 61, verse 10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord... My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He's covered me with the robe of righteousness. As a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments, as a bride adorns herself with her jewels, for as the earth brings forth its bud and the garden causes things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all nations." I mean, it's such a beautiful thing. My soul shall be joyful in God. He's clothed me with salvation, the robe of righteousness. Now, notice verse 1. Remember in Nazareth, Jesus walks into a synagogue. On that precise day, and that precise moment, for this precise reading, they handed him what? Not any scroll, but the scroll of Isaiah. <clears throat> now, they didn't have chapters and verses back then, So as he opens it up, he comes right here to what we know as Isaiah 61, verse 1, which says, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, To console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And Jesus, what does he say? He says, today, this is fulfilled in your hearing. And he's saying the same thing today. Now, today, this is being fulfilled in your hearing by the ever presence of Jesus Christ, our Savior, who's alive. He's alive, inviting you into relationship today. So Father, what a joy to be reminded of your goodness and your graciousness, giving us so much more than what we deserve. And would you By your Holy Spirit, begin to draw people, as you already have, to accept the gifts. For some, I mean, just like that, the gift of healing, the brokenhearted, it's just been a hard year. I I think of my brother who couldn't even sit through service yesterday. The last two weeks have been so hard on him. But you promised to heal. You're the God of all comfort. I think of the one that's captive today, the one that's captive to his past the one that's captive to her addiction, how you want to preach deliverance. and You want to make them free, Lord. And if you set us free, we're going to be free indeed. Wherever we might be today, bring the prodigal home, God. Bring men and women to salvation in you. That today would be the day. Now is the time. And so if you're here today, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to do just that whether it's for the very first time or it's time to come home. I know you're in Christmas services a lot. You love your family. You respond to the invitation. You're gracious. You're kind. You're a good person. But you need Jesus. And God brought you here for a reason. God has you tuned in on the radio and on the internet right now for the purpose and the reason of revealing His love to you so that you'll decide and respond. And I just want to invite you, if you need to respond today, Get your life right with God. Would you just stand to your feet and we want to pray with you. I actually want to lead you in a prayer. Just get it, get life in order before God right now. God bless you, brother. Who else would say that's me? Today's a day. God bless you in the back, right here, right here in the middle and back in the back. Today's a day. I'm inviting you publicly because your life is public. It may only be public to five or 10 or 30 or 40, but one of the surprises you'll find out is that your life is more public than you realize. And God wants to display his love through you. There's actually a phrase in the Bible that speaks about being your, his poema. He's working out. He's working out this beautiful poem of your life so other people can enjoy it. It's like a trophy, a trophy of his grace. God bless you in the back. Right here I see you. Even if I don't see you, please forgive me with the lights up here, but God sees you. Because standing is not the issue. Standing's for you. It's for us to enjoy you, but standing doesn't save you. Being in this church doesn't save you. Even saying the words I'm about to say doesn't save you. Only God saves. But I know this. The Bible says that anyone that comes to Jesus, he won't cast away. So he's not gonna push you away. He's not gonna tell you to go clean up your life and then come back. He's gonna receive you. And if you're genuine and real, because he only knows your hearts, the Bible says something miraculous happens. You're born again. You're not who you used to be except you're in the same carcass, same clothes, but you're changed because God does the work on the inside. And when he does the work on the inside, it always leads to the outside. So before we pray, I just want to wait for a few more of you. I know that you're a little hesitant, maybe even embarrassed. Please don't be embarrassed. Don't worry about that. People in this room love you. They love God and they love you. And it's just time, God bless you in the back, it's time, come home, put the bottle down, set aside the anger, come home, God bless you guys, I know it feels like you'll never get out from under it, it feels like you just won't ever forget, it feels like, man, I I don't know what it feels like, you tell me, and the Holy Spirit is there revealing to you, Jesus wants to set you free. He wants to give you an eternal hope. Not just temporary, although that's part of the package. You know, you might think, well, man, if I come to God, then maybe all my problems will be solved. Actually, it's not the case. You still live in a sin-sick world, so there's more problems. It's almost always more problems for someone that follows God. Because now the world hates you. And now you got that to deal with. But I'll tell you what, you're not, never alone. God is faithful. God bless you and you. Today's the day. So just cry out to God. You can, pray. you can pray a prayer to God. That's what talking to God is. It's a prayer. I'll say a prayer. You can repeat after me. You can modify it. Modify the words. You just talk like an intimate conversation with God. But I'll tell you, this is the path to take. You could say something like this. God, I admit that I've sinned against you, and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins. I believe you sent Jesus to live for me, to die for me, and I believe He rose again to change my life and forgive my sins. Help me, God, to live a life that pleases You, and to turn away from my sinful past, so that my whole life will be dedicated to You. All the days I have left. Take me, God. Use me for your glory. Amen. Father, I pray, I pray right now for those that are seriously turning to you, God. And you know where their heart is beating and their mind is racing. Some are even skeptical. They're just wondering if you really would love them, if you really would accept them, if this is really all true. And God, would you just reveal yourself in a powerful way? I pray that gift of spiritual eyes being opened. Would you open eyes today, God? Would there be a real, true move of your spirit that, that we would be able to watch these men and women grow and become strong in you? And, and never, Lord, whether, just never walk away from you again. That today's the day. This Christmas day will change everyone that comes to you. And I pray around our city, God, as many times the gospel is going to be preached, and many times people are going to respond, I pray that it's the real deal, that you would transform our city by transforming us. We would live lives that please you, God. So bless those that come to you today, both here and afar, both in the room and on the radio, even on the internet, Lord, sitting there watching on a screen. (laughs) You're there.